How are you today as the family of faith gathered here at Calvary? Are you doing well? You know, I, today I want to start something uh, new with you as we talk about next. Uh, here's what we see in our world right now. A lot of talk about what's next. Uh, a lot of talk about the world reopening. A lot of talk about um, things getting better. A lot of talk about things going away. Um, I was journaling in my life. It's one of the things that I've learned throughout the last year of life. And one of the things I was journaling, this may surprise you. I don't know if you've had this thought or if this perhaps has grabbed you. But I'm going to ask you a question. It's going to seem like a strange question, but I, I think it's very important for us to ask this question. Are you ready for it? What are you going to miss about COVID? What are you going to miss about a shutdown? What are you going to miss about all that you've been through within the last year of your life. You see, as I started to reflect on the things that I've learned through this last season of life, um, one of the things that I very well could miss, if I'm not careful, likewise, you could miss, if you're not careful, is a moment where the world shut down and allowed you to get better as a person. A moment where the world shut down and allowed you to grow closer in your relationship to God. You see, we were all given a year. A year. A year for the noise, the distractions, the challenges, the things that came against us, uh, the things that we worried about. We were given a year to process all of that stuff. A year. I mean, how many times in life do you get a year to be able to say, God, the world is shutting down, people are shutting down, I may be shutting down, but your voice can be the loudest and you can actually help me move forward. I'm going to miss that. As I begin to write down and think about these things, here's what I look back on that year of life and I discover within myself. There was either a determination... To get lost, to spiral out of control, to allow my mind, my emotions, my heart to stay fragmented, worried, concerned, and listening to all the noise of the world, both outside and inside. Or I could make a determination to get better, to grow closer, and to discover as a human being created in the image of God, God what do you have that's better that's next? What's next? I actually am going to miss some of the things about the last year of life. Why? Because in the silence, in the struggle, in the battle, in the noise, God called me to get better. He called me to listen closer. He called me to be able to focus more on him with heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's funny, I had a dialogue uh, a couple of weeks ago. I was spending some time with some dear friends here in the church. Uh, and they introduced me to someone else um, as their pastor. They said, this is our pastor. We'd like to introduce you um, to him. And, and the person was so busy 
lost in their own thinking that I don't think it registered. Um, and I kind of laughed uh, about this because they said, oh, well, that's, that's really cool. Hey, our church needs a youth pastor. Are you interested? And in that moment, I was, I was trying to think to myself, um, either um, you just paid me an incredible compliment, which I'm very grateful for because I'm 40, none of your business, right? Or you're just kind of lost in your own world. And by the way, when you give birth, gentlemen, to that baby in your belly, um, then you can talk to me about myself, right? Because in this world, it's like that person was so focused on themselves that they really weren't even listening or paying attention to what was right in front of them. For all of us, I, I think that God has given us a moment, a year of life to get better, as a person, a year of life to listen closer as a believer, and a year of life to learn what's really important and to thank God deeply for it. This morning, I, I want to give you two verses, two very simple verses that set the stage for us here at Calvary to think about next, for you as a son and daughter of God, to think about what's next in your life. Because perhaps the last year of life just blew by you and, and maybe you've been lost in it and you haven't thought what's next. But even this morning, as I look at you both in the room and to our online family, I realize that if God were finished with us and God were finished with you, then you would be in glory land right now with him, but you're not. And if he's not finished, that means that he's given you some time as an individual, as a child of God, to be able to say, okay, God, if you're not finished, then you have something next. So how do I get better? How do I grow closer? And how do I thank you more for what you've done and what you're going to do? There's a very popular verse that many of you will know by heart. It's 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Uh, I've been working through the book of 2 Chronicles, and over the next few weeks, I'm going to walk you through certain portions of this book to allow you as a follower of God, as someone who God loves, to be able to look at your life and say, I want what's next. I want what's better. I want to experience, God, what you are doing and what you can do in my life and in the life of the people that I'm around. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. It's very simple. You know this. It says this. If my people, my people, who are called by my name, if they will humble themselves and they will pray and they will seek my face and they will turn from their wicked ways, then, then, God says, then I will hear, and I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. It's another verse that I've been meditating on, and I want to share that with you this morning. It's found in Hebrews chapter 11, chapter 11, verse 6. I'm going to give you two verses this morning to set the stage of where we're going in the weeks ahead. And the 
the chapter 11 of Hebrews is, is called the faith chapter, right? It, it talks about men and women of God who trusted him, who trusted him in spite of how they felt, in spite of what they had been through, in spite of the battles that they were fighting internally or externally. It's people who trusted God in spite of, in spite of. People who chose his way in spite of. And the Bible says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Impossible. You cannot please God without faith. Because anyone who comes to him, they must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. In the last year of life, we have been bombarded as people by voices. You are each bombarded by different voices, depending on the lifestyle that you have, the generation in which you live, the culture in which you come from. You have been bombarded by voices. Some of those voices are external in the world. Some of those voices are internal in the world. Some of those voices are spiritual in nature and they are good. Some of those voices are spiritual in nature and they are dark and they are evil and they come against us. We all battle things in this world. But what the last year of life has shown me is that we, I, we as children of God, you, we can process the world as if we are not children of God, or we can process the world as children called by his name. And we can process what comes against us as things that are natural in this world, or we can choose a better way, a more productive way, a more blessed and favorable way, and that is we can choose to process by faith. How much of this last year can you look and say in your life was dominated by faith or fear? How much of this last year moved you forward with the voices in the world to be better? Or how much of this last year with the voices in the world pulled you down and made you worse? You see, I can look back at the last year of life with COVID and I can thank God. I can thank God that there are some voices that are no longer present in my life. I can thank God that there are some things that were present that are no longer there. I can thank God for that. I can thank God that every battle that I had to fight, every moment that I had to persevere, every moment that I had to choose light over darkness and light, life over death, every moment was given by God so that I as a child of God can get better. Have you gotten better? Have you gotten stronger? Has your faith in God grown closer because of a pandemic, because of a shutdown, because of a crisis? Whatever it is in life, God allows things. There is nothing that comes against you or me that doesn't have to filter through the hand of God first. 
And he values you and quite frankly, I would say, thinks so highly of you as his son and his daughter that he will allow things like you and I have been through this last year or perhaps it's something else that no one else knows that you have walked through. He will allow that in your life so that you can get better and he can show you what is next. I want to talk to you this morning about what is next and how in our lives as children called by his name, as people who live under the name of Christ, as children of God, this morning I want to talk to you about how to move forward by faith. And we're going to start a series and we're going to talk very specifically about some things in our lives as individuals who are called by his name, but also as people connected to this church, how we can move forward by faith. One of the things that I, I actually love about the last year of life is that this church got better. I mean, it's funny because if you go back and you look at Perhaps even in those of you who are tuning in right now, you will understand this. And for those of you who this was your tool of connection during a shutdown and pandemic, you will see this. There was progress between kind of paying a, a half curtsy to the online presence that we had, then to make a full online commitment to say we have to get better. And we did that. As a team here, we said we will get better. We will not let this beat us. Our people, this church is that important that regardless of what we're walking through, regardless of what we are feeling as staff and leadership, regardless of the challenges that come our way, we will get better as a church and we got better as a church. I mean, here's the reality. Some people will ask the question, well, when is the church going to reopen? What a question that is truly coming from an incorrect perspective. We never close. Never once shut down. Never, want, never once quit believing in spite of the odds. And today, as people talk about, well, you know, things will get back to normal. Uh, there are provisions for your health now. There are vaccines. And if you take this, your life will get better. I, I think that perhaps the voices that we're listening to are the wrong voices. I think that as children of God called by his name, we are dumbing ourselves down to listen to a world that has shown us it has no adequate answer for who we are as children of God. Hence, 2 Chronicles chapter 7. The Bible is very clear on this one about how in our lives what God gives allows us to move to what's next and to do it by faith because, listen, the instruction is given very clearly to his people. If my people. It's as if God is saying, I'm not worried about all the noise out there. I'm not worried about those who are giving and peddling information of one agenda or another. That is very shallow to me. Thus saith the Lord. What I want is the attention and the best for my people who are called by my name. I want to give you a life lesson this morning because as we look at in our lives, both as 
individuals, because if you claim the name of Christ, you are a child of God carrying the name of Christ. That's who you are. And so as an individual, you have been saved, but you have been saved not only to be an individual. That's part of the American fragmentation is that we have been fed this whole individualism. Or if we associate with a cause and that cause is against someone else, well, they must be the enemy. We've seen this noise continue to develop in our culture and it's very divisive. It's very much of the devil and it is evil at its core when you break it down. God has something that's better for his children. How do we get there? Well, here's the life lesson. If, 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 if we act in faith toward God, then we can see him respond in faithfulness to us. If we act in faith toward God, then we can see him respond in his faithfulness toward us. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse, verse 14, there is this condition to faith. Oh, oh wait a minute. Um, God loves me just as I am. Absolutely he does because he's amazing like that. It's not an issue of how much he loves you. It's an issue of how much of a quality of life you want to have. Do you want a better life or a worse life? Do you want more of his voice in your life or less of his voice in your life? Do you want more peace or less peace? Do you want more fear or less fear? Do you want more faith or less faith? It's an if-then conclusion. If my people, if they will, then I will. And if my people who will act in faith toward God, then my people will see him respond in faithfulness to us. Look at the audience in 2 Chronicles chapter 14. It's very clear. The audience, my people called by my name. So many times the people that we are listening to, by their words, by their actions, by their choices, reveal who they are. And the people that we sometimes give the greatest authority over our lives, over our hearts, souls, minds, and over our strength, they are not the people of God. They are not people who care about the way of God. They care about themselves. They are selfish to their core. They care about their financial strength because as long as they have the money your money, <laughs> then they will tell you what to do. How backwards is that? So many times we will listen to people in an industry to which many of us will never attain. We won't attain to their stardom, their wealth, their influence. And yet we will listen to their voice as the loudest voice in our lives. To get better, to hear more clearly, to be more thankful, the audience that God is speaking to is not them. The audience that God is speaking to is exclusively, exclusively his children. The audience that God says, I will bless you. I will hear from heaven. I will heal you. 
I will move you forward. The audience that God is speaking to is not a generic audience. It's not everyone. I think so many times in our lives, we think, oh, well, God loves everyone. He does. But the audience that he's speaking to is very specific. It's not generic. It's not everyone. It's those who are called by his name or those who claim his name. And he says to those who are called by his name, my people, my people, the audience, my people called by my name. If, 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 if you as my child, if you as a person called by my name, if. So here's the action. What's the if? The action of if. What is it? There are three things that are listed in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. These things help us move forward by faith. These things are what lead to a good next in your life. And what are they? Number one, if my people. We're not talking about those people. We're not talking about people who do not call him their Savior, their Lord, their God. We're not talking about them. We're talking about you. God is speaking to you. And he says, if you who are called by my name, who believe in me, if you as my child will humble yourself. I'll tell you what I've seen in the world a lot lately. And I continue to see it. It's more discouraging now if you watch the world than it ever has been. It's pride. You have pride everywhere. How do, how do you know? Pride in the sense that if you're not affiliated with one group, then you are excluded totally. If you are not supporting of one particular cause, then you are ridiculed and talked about and belittled as if you didn't exist. Call me a liar. <laughs> Just watch the news. And I understand that even for many of us, we have listened to a world more than we have listened to the word of God. And God's way is not a way of pride. God's way is not a way of elevating oneself above someone else. That's not God's way. How do we know that? Even the Savior himself became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. And that's why God highly exalted him above everyone else, so that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow one day, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Philippians chapter 2. Write it down, because I'm going to be there for that one day, and so will you. But what's the key of being on the right side of history? The right side of God's agenda. The right side of God's blessing of how to achieve your next in a better way, to become a better person, a more thankful person, a person who's closer with God. How do you do that? It begins with humility. And God says, if my people, not them, not everybody, you, you, if you will humble yourself, if. So humility is step one in growing closer to God. Humility is step one in becoming a better person. It actually is a step in you hearing more clearly God's direction for your life, putting a past behind you, learning from it, but then moving forward in his way with his blessing, with his goodness upon you. It begins with humility. How do you know if someone's humble? Well, I mean, first of all, all you have to do is follow them on social media. <laughs> 
I mean, on social media, what, what do you see? You see one shot out of 400. You see one moment out of 50. In other words, what do people show you on social media? The best. But do they show you the real? No. <laughs> and they never will. Why? Because that doesn't attract followers. Humility is quite the opposite. You see, Jesus in his humility humbled himself to death. What was the alternative? Showing the best. Ruling the world. Being like some of the leaders of the world today. And pick one. Pick the one that you despise the most. Doesn't matter. I know that in this congregation, everybody's going to have a viewpoint on it. Right. Pick one. And I'm going to tell you something. Jesus was not like any of them. He was better. Why? He humbled himself. He humbled himself before God. Part of the blessing in your life of experiencing God's best moving forward to what's next is humility. And God says to his children, and if I claim his name and claim to be one of his children, then I would do well to listen to this very clear if. If you will humble yourself, then. The second thing, though, before we get to the thens of God's promises of next, is God says, if you will humble yourself and you will pray and seek my face. Pray and seek my face. One of the things that the last year of life taught me is that the answers I need are found in the deepest moments of seeking the face of God. That the only presence that will be with me in all seasons of life, that will not neglect me, abandon me, ridicule me, belittle me, put me down as an individual, but will seek my best, that will love me in all circumstances, that will build me up and see who I am beyond what anyone else says or thinks. It is the presence of the loving God who sent his son Jesus to rescue me and to do the same for you. And how do I get to know him? I humble myself. And I pray and I seek his face. The last year has given us a moment. Perhaps the circumstances, the challenges, the things that you've been through. Maybe they were health related. Maybe they were relation related. Maybe they were emotional or mental in some capacity. Maybe they were physical. All of those things gave us a moment. A year. To be able to stop. To humble ourselves. To pray. And to seek his face. You know, I will miss that because the world shut down and allowed us more time than perhaps we've ever had as American citizens or people in this world to actually stop and pray. But if I'm concerned about what's next, I will have learned from that moment. And I will say, God, thank you for what you've given me. And therefore, I realize that hum humbling myself, praying. And seeking you is perhaps one of the greatest keys to the future of what you can do. That's what the last year of life could teach us about what's next. He tells his people, my people, humble themselves, pray and seek my face. And then he says, and if they will turn from their wicked ways. If they will turn, turn, turn from their wicked ways. Do you recognize that every great move of God in Scripture, in history, and in your life, in my life, 
every great moment of God, every great move of God for his children called by his name, they always begin with repentance. Repentance, always. Repentance is saying, I will turn from my ways, which are wicked, to your ways, God, which are good. And God's ways are always good. And he puts out this contingency. If you will do these things, then you can see what's next in a better way, in a good way. What then, if those are the actions, the ifs, what are the responses? If, then, and what's the then response? Then the Lord promises this. If I will humble myself, if I will pray, if I will seek his face, and I will turn from my wicked, evil ways, then God promises to his children, not to everyone, not to everyone, not to everyone, but only to those who have done what he said. Only to those who turn to him by his name and do what he says. Then he will do some things and he will do these things for you. And here's the key to a great future for you as a follower of Christ. For this church as a body of believers. And for the future of his people moving forward. He will hear from heaven. God will hear from heaven. When I humble myself, when I pray, when I seek his face, and when I turn from my evil ways, God promises he will hear from heaven. And there is never going to be a prayer that you bring to him that he doesn't hear. You will draw closer to him. Moments like this last year will bring you closer. You will sense his presence. You will see his future. You will see his best by faith. Why? Because you know that he's listening to you. You know that he's close. The Bible says... Not only will he hear from heaven, but he will forgive their sins. Did you hear that? God will forgive your sins. Now, everybody I've met eventually wants forgiveness. But it's interesting. We want forgiveness on our terms. We want forgiveness according to our agenda. But God only offers forgiveness according to his terms. He only brings grace and mercy according to his agenda. And by the way, we can argue with him all day long on that. But there's a great difference between us and him. He's God. We're not. And therefore, he has the prerogative to do it his way. And his way is, if you will, then I will. And that has been a consistent theme from the Garden of Eden to the book Garden of Eden to the book of Revelation over and over again. If you will, then I will. If you won't, then I won't. Whoa! So therefore, if I want forgiveness in my life, it requires deep humility, prayer and seeking his face, and a action that shows I am turning from my wicked ways. And to turn from my wicked ways shows that I'm turning to his. And how do I know that I'm turning to his? Because I sense his presence and I hear his voice. Because I know that it's not just wanting my sins forgiven. It's that my sins are forgiven because I'm closer to him. I sense him. I know him more. I'm growing stronger in my relationship with him. Because I'm willing to do it his way. If 
I do these things, then he will hear from heaven, he will forgive their sin, and he will heal their land. Now this is a beautiful, beautiful passage. And I recognize that people want to apply this generically to the United States of America. If, if my people, the church in the United States of America, will do all of these things, then we can politicize God and he will heal the good old U.S. of A. I'm going to tell you what. I think a p pandemic shows that God's a whole lot bigger than the United States of America. I think a pandemic and a shutdown shows that God's in charge of a lot more than your image, your finances, and your desires. God is not a little God. If you look at him that way, I think you have mistaken the character of the almighty God. The Bible says that if my people, my people, who are called by my name, my name, that means they identify in him more than they identify in anything else. And I realize I just offended probably everyone in this room and those online. And yet, pastor, it's probably not a good move if you want job security. Let me tell you who's in charge. He is. And the problem with the church and the children called by his name is that we have placed our identity in something else. And therefore, we are not healed as people. But you walk through cancer for just a moment. A season of life. And you draw closer to God in the midst of your great deep pain. And you will see that God is with you and he's the one who's with you and he is the only one that's with you. And he can heal you. You will come out on the other side of that realizing the label that I live under is greater than a country. It's greater than a cause. It's greater than a culture. It is the name of Christ. And the name of Christ, because I am a child of God calls, called by his name, it is the name of Christ that heals me. He has healed my land. He has healed my body. He has healed my church. He has healed those who are called by his name that are alongside of me in this journey of faith. That is who God says he will heal. That is who God says he will bless. That is who God says he will advocate for and he will fight for and he will be strong for. It's not for everybody and it's not for a country or a cause or a culture. It's for the people called by his name, the people of Christ. God will fight for them. Oh, and by the way, does that mean that we as Christians don't live in the United States of America? Of course we do. Do we want this nation to be a better place for many? Absolutely. But it's not exclusive. Do you realize there are Christians in China who give their life all the time because they follow Christ? And that there are governments actually against them. Do you realize that the same is true around the world in India? That there are people who follow Christ in a land where they worship other gods and genuinely to follow Christ is a cultural death sentence on their life. And do they stop? No. Why? Because the name above all names is the name that they affiliate with, or with more than anything else. It is the name that gives them healing. 
healing in this world. And by the way, if the healing doesn't come in this world, it's a guaranteed healing in the next. Guaranteed. Oh, and by the way, everybody wants the healing in the next. Every funeral I do, everybody wants to go to heaven. Everybody. But not everybody does. Only those who are called by his name, who have been healed by the blood of Christ, both here and there, and who are the ones who have their next guaranteed, both here and there. When I look at these things, I understand that if I will do these things, God has some guarantees then. And therefore, that helps me understand what we are going to talk about in the days ahead. One of the things that I have had to process as pastor within the last year of life is what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What is going to be next? And here's one thing that has become more sure for me than anything else. You can never go back. You can never go back. If you want to become a better person, if you want to become a stronger believer, if you want to become an individual that utilizes a moment in time where God speaks to you because you sought his face above all else and you want to move forward, you never get to go back. You can learn from what's in the past, but you don't want to be captured or held back by your past. And so to move forward, you must do so by faith, not by feeling, not by the facts around you, but by faith. Trusting in God that he has something better, more productive, more beneficial for you. And therefore, as a church, when I look at these passages, these two verses, and I think about what we're going to talk about in the weeks ahead, I want to give you a three-tiered vision for us moving ahead by faith. As Christians and as the family of God gathered here at Calvary, and those who are connected to us in different parts of this country and the world. Here's what I see from Scripture after looking through the month behind us and looking forward to what God has for us. I have a three-tiered vision that I want to share with you over the weeks ahead on how we all can move forward by faith. It begins, number one, for us when we approach God, and therefore we revive our souls. For you and I to move forward by faith into what God has for us next, it always begins with a soul movement. We have to have our souls revived by Him. We have to refocus our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength on Him. We have to have a revival. In Second Chronicles, what you will see are there are moments of revival in the lives of God's people. We're going to highlight a few of them. And those revivals, guess what? There's a very specific pattern to every revival of the soul in God's people. Do you want to know what the pattern is? If, then, every single time. Every single time. People never experience God's best by doing it their own way. We are going to see that. You only receive the blessing of God when you do it his way. If, then. And a revival of a soul is a moment where your soul gets right with God through humility, through prayer, through seeking his face, and through acknowledging, God, I have been following the wrong way and I need to turn to you exclusively. 
That's when then you get to see the Almighty come through for you into what he has next. A revival of the souls. Over the months ahead here at Calvary, one of the things that we fought for during the last year of life and that we will continue to enhance in moving forward is the reality that your soul needs to grow closer to God. Your soul needs a revival. Perhaps in the last year of life, maybe you didn't get better in your faith, and that's okay. Because we all need a moment to recognize, okay, if I missed that, then I need to do it now. And part of moving forward is us making sure that as we continue to provide and open things that, well, quite frankly, have already been open ministries, but to help you connect back into them, perhaps if you haven't, like coming to church or tuning in online or connecting in groups. These things, as they come to you, these opportunities, why are they there? They're not programs. They are given as a moment to revive your soul. They are given as a moment to make you alive, to make you better and grow in your relationship with the Lord. I think about the power of the life that God gives. And today as I was driving to Calvary and as I was looking around, you know that we have had a rainy few days here. Um, today is a beautiful day. As I was driving in today immediately this morning, one of the things that I noticed was the blue in the sky. Did you see the blue in the sky this morning? Did you catch that? I mean, after a few very dark, dreary days, which can describe life sometimes for us, very dark, very dreary, you can't see your way through a storm, but on the other side of that, God has a blue sky for you. As a matter of fact, uh, one day this week, um, my, my youngest, my baby girl, uh, we uh, were coming to school one day in the midst of one of these storms. Ever since Zeta, she's been traumatized uh, by storms, right? Um, because, you know, that was just an unexpected moment for us, which those happen in life, unexpected moments. And, and so she hates thunder storms, loud storms. And we've had several of those the last few days, right? So as we're on our way to school, I, I made a deliberate decision. Um, I can either let fear reign in her life or I can change the tune. And, and so um, one of the songs that I played that I'd pull off my phone and play through the vehicle was Mr. Blue Sky. I don't know if you know that song, but it's by the Electric Light Orchestra. Um, perhaps if you've watched Guardians of the Galaxy, you know the song. You know, um, It's a great song uh, in one of the movies there. But as I played that for, we were playing it on a rainy day, on a dark day, but we were talking about the blue sky. This is what the song says. The sun is shining in the sky. There's not a cloud in sight. Now I'm singing this as there are lots of clouds in sight, but my five-year-old starts smiling. She starts laughing, probably because her dad is ridiculously bad at singing. But nonetheless, the song goes on and says, it stopped raining, everybody's in the play, and don't you know, it's a beautiful day. Mr. Blue Sky, you know, and that's the song. It just talks about Mr. Blue Sky. Well, today we have a blue sky, right? And the blue skies always come on the backside of the dark skies in our lives. They always do. What does a blue sky, what does a sunshine do for you? After a dark night of season or perhaps life or challenge, what does the sun do for you? It brings life. And a revival of the soul in your relationship with God is like a blue sky in the midst of a cloudy life. 
It's like the sun coming up. It's like God speaking into your heart, into your life, that it's going to be good, that what's next is better than what's past, that he is with you, that his presence is there. And there is no thunderstorm or lightning or darkness or evil that can come against you. It's like the great dad in the vehicle saying, I got this and it's going to be okay. And when that revival of soul happens in you, what happens? You begin to smile, you begin to laugh, and you begin to sing. Because your Father is with you, and everything's going to be okay. That's what happens, a revival of the soul. And as we continue forward in the days ahead, as we look to what's next, we realize that a revival of our souls is imminent. So I'm going to ask you right now to begin to pray, God, revive my soul. God, help me to humble myself, to become more diligent in praying and talking to you, and seeking your face, and turning from my wicked ways, so that my soul can be revived. There's a second part of a three-tiered vision, and that is a renewal of our mission. Not only do I look ahead and realize that we all need our souls revived, but we need to renew our mission. And one of the things that carried me through the last season of life is that there are some missions that are greater than others. There are some jobs that are just better than others. And one of the things that I have wrestled through in the last year, just recognizing how many times do people really listen to the word of God through the man of God of the hour? So many times the people that we listen to are those voices. But God has said to me, what you do matters because you help the people of God hear the voice of God for something that is eternal. And therefore, it's our time to renew the mission. What's the mission? We are a family of faith. And one of the things that I know that I fought for in the last year of life was the family. You, my family, this ministry, this church. A family of faith, why? Because it's a family of faith that's on mission. And when you're on mission, you're going to be attacked. It's like a soldier given commands to do the right thing. The enemy will always attack. He will always come against you. But when you're on mission, you know what you're battling for. You know what the costs are, and you never quit. And you have people around you that rally to you. And you fight for life, and you fight for what's important because there's a mission. You don't go back. You go forward. And that's what you do. We are a family of faith on mission. And what's our mission? We are on mission with Jesus to do what? To change the world. To change the world. And as we renew our mission with Jesus... What I realize is that some missions are just bigger. They're just better. They are just more important and they have eternal impact. And for every child of God called by his name, particularly for those of you affiliated with the family of faith here at Calvary in New Orleans, both in the room and online and beyond this city, you're part of a mission. And as we renew and we renew our commitment to our mission, What's next is going to be good. And there's a third thing that's a part of our vision moving forward. And I'm going to talk very specifically about this next week. Very specifically about this. During, early on during a pandemic, um, after a few months of shutdown, um, 
one thing became pretty evident. I was actually sent uh, a picture of this. It was kind of funny. Um, and it showed people's houses before a pandemic and people's houses after a pandemic. And everybody spent time during a pandemic fixing up their own house. Well, one of the things that God convicted me of during a pandemic is that it's time for us, the people of God here at Calvary, to fix this house. We're going to fix this house, revive our souls, renew our mission, and refresh our house. And I know already people are saying, well, how are you going to do that? It's a uncertain time. There's uncertainty in the job market, in the stock market, in the people market. There's just uncertainty. Well, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 says, If my people who are called by my name, if they, not everybody else, do I care about the jobs, the stock market? Do I care about everything else? Yeah, but my audience is bigger. If my people, if my people who are called by my name, if they will do a few things, if they will humble themselves. So I have a choice to make. I can either live for myself or I can sacrifice for what God has called me to. If my people will humble themselves, if they will pray, God, what do you want me to do? And you, you seek his face. God, you are more important than everything else. If they will do that, if they will turn from their evil, selfish ways and turn to him, then I will do something. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. That's what God says he will do. And by the way, Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You cannot see God do what God will do if you don't trust Him. If you live by fear, then you are overcome by that and you are missing out on faith. If you live by faith, you overcome fear and you see God do what God can do beyond what you can do. As I look to the future and I think about this church and I think about as we look to refresh our house, as we look to revive our souls, as we look to renew our mission, I can't think of anything better. I can't think of anything more productive. I can't think of anything more eternal and satisfying and blessed and encouraging and life-giving than committing to Him by faith, than turning to Him by faith, then being called by his name, not another name, not a name that someone else would say against you or speak against you, but his name. It's pushing forward. It's getting better. It's learning. It's hearing more closely what he would say. And all of this happens for you. Why? Why you? Why me? Because if you have claimed the name of Christ, then you are his people, called by his name. And if you turn to him, then he has a better next for you. So here's the question. Are you ready for a better next in your life? A better year in your life? Hey, it does not mean a pandemic goes away. 
It doesn't mean people still don't tell you what to do. But are you better than that? I think you are. I think you deserve better than that. I think as a child of God, you should see better than that. But I can tell you this, the world will never give it to you. Nor will people who are not called by his name. But to those who claim his name, who follow him, it just gets better. Because he's the kind of God that comes through for those who trust in him that way. I want to pray with you right now. And I want to ask you to bow your hearts and your heads. And to take a moment of humility. Prayer is one of the most humble things we can do if we're genuinely praying. And right now, as you sit there or as you are gathered in our online family, in your heart, I want you to ask God. What, God, did you need to say to me from this past year to move me forward by faith to what you have next for me? God, revive my soul. God, renew my heart to your mission. Help me to humble myself and to seek your face. And to turn from my ways to you. So that I may see your goodness moving forward by faith. Father, this is my prayer for all of your sons and daughters. Who in the depth of who they are know that they are called by your name. And my prayer is you will create within them a heart and a life that gets better and that what is ahead by faith moves them way beyond what is in the past. I pray for revival in all of our souls by the powerful name of Jesus by whom we're called. Amen. I want to get you this week to begin that process of praying. Two verses. You have them and it's really simple. God Where's my faith? God, I'm seeking you. God, I'm humbling myself. And I want you to begin that this week. It's going to be a journey over the next few weeks. And as you do that, be prepared for him to speak. Be prepared for him to work. And as we move forward by faith as a family of God, watch how he blesses beyond anything that you've ever experienced or seen. Because that's what he wants to do for his children. Thank you for being faithful, by the way, this last year and continually in your giving. You may give on your way out or online through our digital means. And I'm going to ask you, make sure that you're connected to Calvary next week. If you're traveling, that's why we have this means for you. If you're out next week, make sure that you follow up. We have many ways to do it because next week we begin to lay out a very important piece of this church and what we're going to do as we look ahead to what God's going to accomplish in her, our lives together. Now, until we gather again, may God bless you. May he speak to your heart. May his face shine upon you. May he give you peace presence and protection because you're his kid. I can't wait to see you again soon. God bless you all.